0: so um i last episode i took you guys to a cool uh ruin of a church here in north essex where i'm lucky to live and my plan was to do something similar this time around i thought i'd take you to a monastery there's a greek orthodox monastery uh, about 20 minutes from where i live um that didn't work out, sadly. I I got to the monastery and it was all closed, obviously because of COVID, so you couldn't really get near it, so you couldn't see it. So I did an intro, just walking through a field nearby, and then I got back in the car to listen to it, and it was completely inaudible because it's a windy day today. Um, So instead, I'm recording this while I drive home. Uh, So instead of a beautiful old monastery with nice fields, you're getting me uh, in a call. If you're listening to this rather than watching it, it, doesn't make any difference to you. In fact, this is probably slightly better. There was an exciting moment uh, in the in the edit near the monastery, where a nun appeared. Uh, and I always find that like seeing a nun is kind of like seeing a dragon fly. Like it's a kind of like oh, oh, oh everyone be quiet. Look, it's a nun. Um, so it's quite, I find it quite exciting uh, to see nuns and monks and other kind of people who've dedicated their life to prayer and spirituality. I think it's a cool and beautiful thing and I kind of want to go and meet them and spend time with them. Although every monk who I've ever met and nun uh, are just fairly normal guys, um, but I still really admire them and and what they do. Um, So what's been going on since the last episode? Uh, I hope you guys are all okay. I'm okay. Literally nothing has happened past month. We're still in lockdown. Uh, It looks like we're still going to be in lockdown for a while. Uh, The only thing that's changed in my life is I got Invisalign braces and I have had crooked teeth. My bottom teeth have always been quite crooked for all of my life and I've always been a bit self-conscious about it even though people are always really nice and tell me that they can't notice it, maybe truthfully. Um, But I notice it when I look in the mirror, when I see myself on camera. And because I am a shallow person, I'm a shallow man, um, who, to whom looks matter, uh, I thought I'd get it fixed now that I am finally in a position in my life where I can afford to. Um, so I'll be wearing Invisalign braces for the next year or so. Um, and that's about it really. Apart from that, it's just been living my life uh, through Zoom, through FaceTime, uh, digitally as much as possible. Um, I guess like everybody, I've been starting a lot of sentences with when lockdown is over. um, And I'm trying to do that less because one of the things that I think pretty much all of the great religions tell us and all of the kind of spiritual teachers, the good ones, um, they all have this message of happiness is now, God is now, Um, life is now, and you can live your life Thinking about tomorrow, thinking about the things that you don't have, thinking about the things that you wish you had, that you wish would be different. And ultimately, never really being happy because that ideal, perfect life where everything is fixed never really arrives. Um, So I'm trying to, as much as possible, uh, look for ways to be happy and find fulfillment and purpose in the here and now, even in lockdown. Um, Obviously, that's not always easy. And there are days, in fact I'd say most days, um, where I still have little kind of anxiety spirals uh, and start worrying, panicking, feeling down about stuff, but I'm very lucky and or blessed to have good friends and family who are just a phone call away who can usually lift me out of that spiral uh, pretty quickly. Um, Yeah. So that's what's been happening in my life. Uh, today's episode is a conversation with Emily. It's quite a personal conversation. I mean, most of the podcasts, I guess, are quite personal to me in one way or another, but this feels, um, even more than averagely uh, personal. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, Emily used to be in my youth group, uh, the youth group that I run, I mean, as a, as an adult. Um, I must have met Emily when she was about 12, and I guess she's in her early 20s now. She must be 22, I think, 23. Um, And so I've known Emily for, uh, I guess, about a decade uh, from from a time when she was a child. Um, And I thought it'd be interesting to talk to her because we often talk on this podcast about experiences of growing up in or around religion and then going on a kind of journey Sometimes away from religion or sometimes just towards a different kind of religion. Um, Often with a kind of narrative of leaving behind a toxic kind of um, culture or religion. And I thought it'd be interesting to get that story from a slightly different perspective. um, In the sense that I was kind of responsible for Emily's experience with, with religion. And I have to be honest, I didn't know what I was doing. Especially towards the end of my time working for uh, the church as a youth worker. Um, I'd moved away from a model of thinking it was all about converting young people and keeping them in the faith. And was really quite insecure about, well if that's not why I'm doing this, and what am I doing this? What is the purpose of this? And talking to Emily was great. Um, partly because Emily's a nice person, she only had very nice things to say about me and the youth group that she was a part of. Um, But more importantly, she really helped me to remember the cool and the good stuff that we did together as a group. Um, And also, just the importance of that kind of community-based, whether it's youth work, community work, um, that kind of informal education that brings people from different walks of life together. Uh, We live in a time where truth feels fragile where conspiracy theories and lies and bullshit have become mainstream. And it's really, really important to be clear that there are some things which are objectively true and objectively false. And we need to resist the temptation to get drawn into those conspiracy theories and lies. But there are also, um, and I would count religion as one of these, areas in life where objective truth is much harder to pin down, if it's there at all. And much more important is a conversation around how do we get on with people who disagree with us? How do we live in peace and love? Um, How do we resist the temptation to get into conflict and violence with people who disagree with us? And for that, I think informal education, youth work, community-based education is the key because it brings people together. It shows people uh, in practice how to... Love your enemy, I guess. Uh, I'll get. We'll get more into that in the conversation with Emily. Um, I hope you enjoy the chat as much as I did. I loved it. I listened back to it as I was preparing to record this intro and found myself smiling all the way, partly because of uh, Emily's great sense of humour, but also because of her insight and her wisdom. And I just think it's a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And uh, I'll see you on the other side. when When you finish this, I'll be home. I'll have made myself a cup of tea. And uh, we, can, we can wrap this up together. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're healthy. I hope you're happy. Um, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Bye. Sweet. Okay. Do I sound okay? Do I
1: need... Sound,
0: I would say 8 out of
1: 10. Okay, I can do it, 8 out of 10. And
0: the 2 is just because that's just... yeah. It's the Essex it. accent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's fair, that's fine. <laughs>
0: um, also, I've started putting these up on YouTube. So are you happy for it to go up on YouTube or would you prefer it to be just an audio thing?
1: Uh, I'm totally happy. I don't give a crap.
0: Sweet. Cool. Well, that, it's good that you've got a really exciting, dynamic virtual background behind you.
1: I I thought it was quite nice. I thought it was like London at winter time. It is. It is really nice. I can change it if it's not nice enough.
0: I I wasn't being sarcastic. It is very exciting and dynamic.
1: Oh, is it because if I sit in the middle, I look like I have a halo? Oh, this is religious symbolism.
0: Exactly. Exactly. You look like an icon of, like, it could be, like, oh, man, this is so youth work, so Christian youth work. Like, here's what Mary would look like in the 21st century with, like, your headphones on and your Zoom background and that yeah. kind of
1: stuff. and People my love this water shit. bottle was £30. That,
0: uh, that yeah, hide the water bottle, keep the water bottle up of Because Mary was quite poor, I think. Yes, Emily! <laughs> now it's not even modern Virgin Mary anymore, it's just...
1: Classic. Maybe she just dresses like this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's just her style.
1: Yeah, man. She loved blue. Here's the thing.
0: You know, um, this is probably not interesting, but you know how Virgin Mary is always depicted wearing blue?
1: Yes.
0: Well, IRL, she wouldn't have worn blue because blue was super, super expensive. It was like one of the most expensive dyes. And so she would have just been stuck with your browns and your greys. Cool. Good facts, right?
1: i heard that they didn't even have a word for blue until super recently it was like the last language word to be invented and it's like it's because like in ancient greek if you read you know ancient greek books and stuff they don't describe anything as blue they describe it as like wine red or like black and white and stuff and blue just straight up doesn't exist until like i don't know a century, but it's it's a modern it's like the most modern colour and it's crazy. And there's still like there's some tribes in Africa and they did um they brought like colour swatches over to them and they were like, Can you tell between these two types of green? And they were like, Oh yeah, 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 no problem. And they'll be like, Here's a blue, here's a green, I think it was, I can't remember exactly. And they were like genuinely struggling to tell the blue apart from anything. And it's like when you don't have a word for something, you can't spot it, was the the reasoning. So it was like, if you can't speak French and someone speaks out of French at you, you can't differentiate anything they're saying. But if you know the word bonjour, and amongst that French, they say bonjour, then you can like pick that out. And it's the same with colour. So if you don't know blue, and you don't have blue in your mind, and there's no word for it, you can't spot it, and you can't differentiate it. I'm freaking out! <laughs> 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 Is that... Um, where did you hear that? Uh, I heard it on YouTube, so it must be true. But on one of the science channels. Because um, I
0: heard that about um, the colour... Orange. The colour orange used to just be described as like a shade of red. Yeah. And so that's why you got like red-breasted robins, which are actually orange and that Mm. kind of stuff. And people and then the the fruit, the orange fruit came over from wherever it comes from. And people started calling it like, you know, that shade of red that's a bit like an orange. So the fruit came before the colour.
1: That makes sense. But blue is crazy to think of. Like orange makes sense because orange is just like red and yellow put together. Um hang on. It's a complete tangent, I'm really sorry. Um but it's on sciencealert.com Until modern times. Um yeah, this is I'll send this to you afterwards to prove that I'm not like that. Okay, okay,
0: okay. I mean I believe you. I like no, I, um yeah, I'm I'm very easily swayed. So um yeah, I'm I'm convinced.
1: Okay, cool. Just
0: Speaking just- of which um, and actually, your virtual background is a good reminder of this, don't you think? Blue fairy lights are the worst colour fairy lights.
1: I think cold colour fairy lights in general. I think the warm ones really nice, like a warm white fairy light is my favourite. um I think the the multicoloured ones, like a red, green, orange, blue, top tier. Yeah. But yeah, cold blue and cold white. I'm not a fan of cold white bottom tier fairy light. They just look cheap. Yeah,
0: so I don't, I quite like white. I'd put white in the top. I nearly said topper tier, let's say a
1: higher tier, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but blue like trips my eyes out, like I can't focus on it,
1: mm. it's
0: weird, maybe because think... it didn't exist until recently,
1: yeah, maybe it's too close to like fluorescent, uh, what's it, ultraviolet, that's what I'm thinking of, and so like, you know probably how like is. ultraviolet trips you out, yeah, yeah,
0: that's probably what it is. is. Mm-hmm. Well, we I think we've covered Blue, which was really <laughs> the main thing that I wanted to cover in, in
1: this Yeah, episode. so, right, next, I've see you next week. Bye. Yeah, <laughs>
0: thanks for coming on. <laughs> so, I thought this would be a fun conversation to have because there's a bit of a, like, on the episodes that I've done uh, of this show, there's a bit of a kind of recurring theme with, I'd say most of the people who've been on it, about kind of, like, growing up, with religion in religion mm. surrounded by religion and then like moving not necessarily away from it but like changing the way you understand it changing where you find meaning from um that kind of stuff and discovering alternative ways of looking at things and um, lots of my guests and my this is true of me as well have grown up in like quite a like conservative religious place which I know is quite well I'll let you talk about your own experience in a sec but my impression is that that's quite different from and so there's a kind of the, the same like narrative quite often of like um I grew up in quite a toxic conservative kind of a place and then really had to push hard to get away from that to leave that behind and to get to wherever it is that I am now which is like let's say more liberal inclusive whatever kind of place but I thought it'd be really interesting to chat to you because obviously I know about the religion that you grew up in um, because I was the youth leader at the cathedral. Yeah,
1: you were which. responsible for it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I was the face of religion when you were <laughs> youth. And so I want to find out how that's fucked you up, basically. <laughs> hey! Um No, well, I, um, yeah, I thought it'd be interesting because... I, having like I say that that story of like very conservative toxic whatever and then having to push hard to get away from it feels like it's potentially a bit different to your experience well I hope it is because when I was your youth worker I wasn't in that same conservative place that my youth workers were when Mm. I was growing up and I thought it'd be kind of just interesting to talk about your memories of growing up in a youth group what was good about it what was bad about it about the kind of the the religion stuff and how that fit in with your life at the time and where it fits in now um, and all that kind of stuff and i think it's important to say like straight off the bat as a youth worker at the cathedral i didn't know what i was doing like most of the time because so like youth work in like the conservative church is super easy because your Mm -hmm. goal is like um, convert young people to christianity and then once they're converted keep them in there, like stop them from wandering, basically. So that was like, so you could tell whether you were doing a good job or a bad job because it was like, how many people have you converted? Yeah. You know, I've converted this many. What about you? And the person who'd converted the most was doing better objectively. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously at the cathedral, I wasn't into all that anymore. Like I didn't truthfully, it didn't bother me at all, whether you guys were Christians or not. Um, Even though Christianity was super important to me and to my life, but I wasn't interested in kind of converting you. So a lot of the time I was kind of going, I don't really know what the point of this is. I don't like, I think we have a a nice time together at the youth group, but what really is the point of it? And I was quite insecure Mm -hmm. about it. Um, So anyway, that's, so I've waffled on for quite a long time. Um, And I, yeah, let me, let me pass it over to you. So why don't we start with, so you were, how old do you reckon you were when we first met? Maybe like thirteen?
1: If that, yeah, like eleven, twelve. Yeah. Um, I think I had just started secondary school. Um Yeah, I think yeah. that's
0: right. I think you had maybe just started and your sister hadn't quite was still just in the tail end of primary school, maybe
1: when Yeah, that makes started. sense. And I think you were trying to like change the way the youth group was run, so rather than like take time out of the church time. I can't remember because it was like ten years ago for me, but I remember first time I met you, it was a meeting you were having with all the parents, I think, saying we want to change youth group so that, you know, maybe they don't miss parts of church or something like that. And I remember it like not going down well and I was like, this this guy's got a point (laughs) (laughs) So I think I came up I mean Bethany came up to you afterwards and we were like, Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. It makes a lot of sense. (laughs) I'm like I, so years old, so.
0: <laughs> that's really funny because I've I didn't I'd forgotten that you were at that meeting and I still have nightmares about that meeting
1: <laughs> it was
0: honestly one of the worst meetings of my life so just to give some context it's obviously the people who are like the the six people who are listening who weren't part of that meeting um so I had just started the cathedral and I had this idea that like look you know church is church and young people should be able to engage in it especially if we believe in like the sacraments so like communion and that kind of stuff if we believe that that kind of stuff is important then maybe we're doing young people a disservice by taking them out of church to babysit them Mm. while the adults kind of crack on with the real stuff basically so while we're coloring in pictures of noah's ark over here with the youth group the adults are doing the really important god stuff and i was kind of trying to say i want the young people to be doing the really important god stuff as well and i think once they're in secondary school they're old enough to be able to make their minds up even if their decision is i'm not really into that then that's fine. That's their decision. Um, but yeah, there were a few people in that meeting, some of whom are quite good friends now who have managed to, to mend those relationships. But they hated that suggestion. Mm. They were not up for it at all. So it's really funny that you were there. I'd forgotten you were there. There was one other kid. I won't name him because obviously he, he's not part of this conversation. But God bless him. He, uh, he I noticed him leaving the meeting at one point. And then he came back with one of the cathedral priests.
1: And it, t-
0: <laughs> it turns out that during the meeting, he'd gone down to find the priest and be like, I think Tim's having a really difficult time up there. He might need some backup.
1: <laughs> that is so wonderful. It's really
0: sweet. I'll tell you who it was afterwards. It was really, really lovely.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, okay. So so you uh, came along to that, that meeting, which still haunts me to this day. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I guess, like, why at the age of twelve or thirteen or whatever you were, why were you coming to church or Christian youth group or whatever whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it?
1: Um, yeah, so that is a good question. Cause my dad is like an atheist, uh, very proudly, so i a big Richard Dawkins fan. Um All right, wow. yeah, <laughs> but my mum is the opposite. I thought she's not she's not conservative Christian, you've met her, but I think for her it's the community of the church. And we were lucky that Cathedral church is a really wonderful community so for her I think she got to chill out with her friends and worship Jesus and stuff like that in a really lovely environment and for me and Bethany it was kind of like you don't really get a choice because we were part of like the brownies and the guides as well and then because my mom was a leader in those as well um so it was a lot of like you don't have a choice you will go to church um and I think that's the same for a lot of kids I think you don't really get an opinion on any of it which is kind of why youth group was really refreshing because it was like L- we understand that maybe some of you don't really care about it or something we just want to like treat you like little adults and let you have your own opinions and actually listen to what you want to do which is why I think we because yeah for every other church group it was kind of like you're going there is no discussion but I think youth group was the only one where me and Bethany were like yeah we're going. It was really fun. (laughs) We get to play Smash Bros. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I think it definitely started with I didn't have a choice. Um, And I think I didn't care anyway. It's like it wasn't worth the argument to not turn up and stuff. Um, But then when you kind of took over youth group and it kind of went in its very neat, chill out direction. And I think that meeting is a really good example of the fact that the adults well like most conservative Christian adults I think don't want to treat children as adults and they don't want to give them opinions and stuff like that um so yeah and it was they were out of touch and it was the same with the brownies and the guys it was bless them they meant well but they were like they were out of touch as to what like a 12 year old girl wants to do kind of thing um and yeah and I think youth group was very different from that where it was kind of like yeah let's listen and like make a plan based on what you want to do and let's not go camp in the woods because no one likes camping when they're 12 (laughs) years old it's horrible (laughs) Uh, and that was really nice and yeah so that's kind of why we kept coming back was because it was like here is an actual it's basically like what my mum found appealing with the church in the sense of community we got on a micro scale where she got to go and meet up with her friends and you know do whatever she wanted talk about God and stuff over a cup of coffee and we got to do that as well and go meet up with our friends and have our own kind of mini community within our bigger community where we felt like adults and we weren't pushed aside and made to draw in pictures of Noah's Ark yeah. um so that's definitely I think was what was really appealing about it
0: that's um, really that, yeah. that's really cool to hear and <laughs> especially may I say coming from you um because I would say in the early days and I loved this about like the 13-year-old Emily. Like you made it super clear that you didn't want to be there. The <laughs>
1: <laughs> thing is I really liked doing that. I'm just I was so introverted when I was young yeah. and I had very specific interests. I liked like K-pop and anime and it was before like all this stuff kind of became big in the UK. Yeah. And You're I such wanted a
0: before before it was cool.
1: Look, I walked so that the next generation could run because now you can walk into a HMV and there is like BTS and all those other Korean pop bands right at the front. And when I was young, you had to you had to go to the Korean supermarket store to even. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> um, this is a good thing, by the way. I think it's great that like young people can have weird interests now and find them at HMV. Um Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I really liked sitting on my phone and watching cool videos of stuff I liked and I liked doing it in an environment where I felt like I had friends so yeah. even though I was sat there on my phone I was having a good time because I felt comfortable with the people around me.
0: Well and that's cool and we like let me like just add to that that we all <laughs> loved your kind of the, the fact that you, you were so <laughs> so clear about where you were and what your feelings were and that kind of stuff but it's what's really cool especially
1: <laughs> no no don't be
0: don't like g- genuinely because I think like um so one of the shifts for me as a youth worker so, again, coming from, like, my first youth work job was in a really, like, like I said, very conservative church. Very The point, ultimately, is to get young people into a relationship with Jesus. That was the language that was used. Uh, so, you know, you could, you could really, like, measure success. And it's not to say that I was ever very good at it, but I knew what I was supposed to be doing. And it was very much about... So my role as the youth worker or the youth minister was to teach young people. So we'd get them in doing fun stuff, like, you know, with pizza and video games and whatever. But then the point of them being there was for me to teach them about Mm -hmm. the Bible and about Jesus and whatever. So really I was kind of like uh, an informal teacher. That's kind of the way it was kind of looked at and shifting away from that place into a more liberal, inclusive kind of, you know you use the language community a few times like trying to create those kinds of communities one of the things that I noticed myself beginning to learn was mm-hmm. that actually it was as much about me learning and you guys teaching me because we're creating a community together so you were into all of this weird stuff that I didn't know anything about like mm-hmm. k-pop and anime and whatever else and I can remember like sitting next to you while you were sitting on the floor with your hood up and your headphones in and potentially (laughs) being really annoying but just being like so tell me tell me more so and and who's this character and how does he work and that kind of stuff which i say kind of like there's potentially a slightly lame daddishness kind of thing about Mm. that but actually i was genuinely interested like i was genuinely interested in the things that you guys were interested in, not just you, but like, you know, all the guys in the youth group, lots of them had kind of slightly odd tastes or whatever. Um, And I just thought it was really cool, like learning about cultures, which weren't necessarily the same as mine growing up. Um, And I would, I just lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Yeah. So it was moving away from a place of like, I am the one who holds the truth. So I need to teach it to all of these young people lest they go to hell. Mm -hmm. Um, And more towards a kind of like, you know, everybody who comes here, everyone who's in this room or in this building has some cool experience and some cool knowledge, which other people don't. And wouldn't it be great to hear about that and to share with each other and that kind of stuff. But it was always tricky because there was always, you know, going back to that meeting, there was an expectation from, some members of the kind of church community that my job was to teach you guys about religion and to an Mm -hmm. extent I suppose it was like there was an element of that but it was always a difficult balancing act I found it a difficult balancing act between how much do I hold that view of like I have knowledge that these guys don't and how much do I flip it around to like actually you have knowledge that I don't and yeah I can't remember where I was going with that
1: No, I think it is definitely a hard balancing act to do though, because as soon as you try and teach teenagers anything, they will shut off, and it's just what teenagers are. It's like if you, because I had, I was in the position where I had two completely different approaches to teaching kids about religion, and it was you guys at the youth group, and it was our school, which was heavily Catholic, heavily conservative, and I can say with like absolute confidence that if I hadn't gone to this Catholic school, but I had like still uh did the youth group i think i would be so much more enthusiastic about organized religion in general but yeah and the same with the way like if i'd just gone to this catholic school and i hadn't gone to the youth group i think i would be 100% against religion in all forms and i would have gone full atheist um because yeah but i'm somewhere in the middle because i had a one really positive experience with you guys and then one Awful tone deaf experience through school, which obviously hit hard because it was five days a week for like however many years you go to secondary school for.
0: Yeah, I can remember talking to you guys and other young people from the same school at the youth group in the evenings and hearing about the stuff that you were being taught at school. And like, I felt really angry about it, you know, like, even as a Christian uh you know just kind of feeling like what are they doing like it's so toxic and just the kind of like i think like there are subjects science history like subjects which like you need to teach us facts right like mm. look like, this is this is how it is um and like you can play around with ideas and that kind of stuff but there's there's a sense of like look, we're not really going to countenance ideas that challenge the theory of evolution or whatever because they're just not facts you know we can talk about them in philosophy but they're not facts whereas religion isn't one of those things I don't think religion is something that you can just be like look jesus died for your sins that's a fact because it's not a fact you can't like that it, it maybe it's true and maybe it isn't we're all kind of just guessing um and i remember hearing you guys talking about school and the stuff that they were teaching you as facts particularly about stuff like i can remember having conversations with you about like abortion I was sex going to relationships that, yeah. like that kind of stuff and it sounded like and tell me if i'm wrong but it sounded like they were teaching it from a very one-sided perspective like absolutely this is where we stand on abortion and where's the room for conversation
1: mm-hmm. um, yeah it was you're exactly right there it was um i because i was thinking about this when you asked me to do this interview and i was trying to think of like a good example or comparison between like touchy subjects And I remember with the youth group, you gave us a talk about like porn and addiction with that and stuff. And this woman came in who, um, this was a few years ago, so I can't remember, but I assume she was some kind of professional like advocate. And obviously, from a religious point of view, you've got to say like masturbation is wrong, and watching porn is wrong. But what I think was done really well, was this advocate came in, and she didn't come at it from the Christian point of view, she came at it from like the pure facts of like, Addiction is real. Um, Sex workers can get abused. You don't know like the behind the scenes of how this is being made. Um, Things are grossly misrepresented and it's really bad for your mental health and just like how you can see of other people and stuff like that. And it's violent and it's, it's not good for you. And then it turned into a conversation where we split into small groups and we kind of spoke about it. And this was many years ago. This was like five, six years ago. And I can remember like what I learned and stuff to this day. And I've passed the information on to my friends and I've been like, have you considered that this is bad for you because xyz and stuff like that and um, you know I'm like the wise sage of my friendship group um, for stuff like this where I think you taught us in a really really good way and at the end of the day we learned something that is you know a Christian value but in a way that a bunch of teenagers could understand in a way that would like affect us for the better because I think we when you're young can't grasp abstract concepts and if you say don't watch porn god will be angry at you you don't understand that like i don't even understand that now there's no repercussions to that there's no like okay there's yeah. no lightning bolt what's going on here like yeah it's no teenager bullshit. exactly but like no teenager is ever going to listen to that like if you say don't do this jesus will get angry at you it's like sorry i
0: guess well, so <laughs> so some teenagers will listen to that because i was a teenager who listened to that so i grew up very much with that message that like all those things we've just talked about porn is wrong Mm -hmm. masturbation is wrong but also like alcohol is wrong and and drugs are wrong
1: so did you still do it and then just feel guilty about it afterwards did you get that like catholic guilt
0: exactly that's exactly what i got so i got uh what i got was a real issue with anxiety um and I saw myself as some kind of like hopeless wretch that like why can't I stop doing these things that I know are really bad um and feeling like like I can remember and I I think I've probably talked about this on the podcast before but like like when I look back at who I was when I was 14 like I just want to hug that kid because I remember um like like I watched porn and that kind of stuff and developed this problem with anxiety and I interpreted my anxiety problem as God's punishment for looking at porn. So like, I can remember like, I would, I'd look at porn and then afterwards pray, like, please, I'm really sorry. God, please don't make me feel scared again. Please don't make me feel scared again. Because I really thought that that was like, God was giving me those feelings as like, listen here, you little shit. Like you've done it again. So Um, awful. It's really awful. It's really awful. And I can remember. So that talk, um, which was brilliant, by the way, it's, uh, it's unlikely that she'll listen to this, but it's possible because I'm still loosely in touch with her. Natalie, her name was. Mm. Um, And, but I was nervous about getting her to come and talk to you guys because, when you're running an youth group, it's always kind of a little bit like inviting somebody else to come in and talk to the group. You're never quite sure how it's going to go. And I was a bit nervous that she might come at it from just a straightforward, like, porn is wrong, masturbation is wrong kind of thing. Mm. Um, I, like, I kind of knew her well enough to know that that was pretty unlikely but I was a little bit nervous about it because I'd seen how toxic that kind of message is for me, and it's also not something that I believe. By the way, like I don't think either of those things are wrong in and of themselves. Um, but it was really, it was really cool that, I, like, I really admired. I was, I was really enjoying watching her talking with you guys in a way that was getting you guys to ask each other questions and to mm. talk about it and to come to your own conclusions. And I think she probably did err on the side of like listen just be really careful with this stuff because I don't I don't know if she would have necessarily said it's wrong but I think she would have probably said that it's quite dangerous which I think probably to a teenager I agree with I think it's kind of like drugs like I don't think like I don't think weed is massively wrong in itself but if you're 13 and smoking weed like that can that can mess you up and I think it's kind of the same with porn um but yeah so I was really I was really grateful in that session that she really got to the ethos that we were trying to get with the youth group of like, this is a conversation amongst equals uh, who all have valid things to say. And I can remember there was some disagreement. I can remember there were, you know, a couple of the lads who were kind of pushing back a little bit. I'm kind of like, well, but you know, it's nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, but that kind of disagreement, I was really glad that she was able to, to hold that and to not just shut anyone down yeah yeah exactly exactly
1: yeah I mean I don't even remember her saying it was bad or anything I remember her saying this is what it does to your body image and I remember her saying like the stuff where it seemed like it was all focused on our mental well-being not like some you know pleasing some third party as it were where you know you didn't feel guilty you didn't feel wrong you just felt like oh yeah maybe that is bad for me in the same way that like if someone tells you chocolate bars give you cholesterol you're like oh yeah yeah
0: that's exactly that's a really good point actually emily that you've just made because i think so much of like like the education that you would have got from your catholic school and the education Mm. that i got from my youth group growing up was a kind of like it could often just be kind of unthinking like it's just wrong because it is because god says it is like yeah that's that's just what it is and the idea that maybe right and wrong isn't a helpful language for us to talk about because they're too abstract, but more along the lines of what's good for you and bad for you is more helpful. So like some of the stuff we've just talked about, like porn and drugs and whatever, those are things that are not evil, but maybe they're not great for you right now at this age, or even as an adult, maybe they're not great for you. You know, if you're doing that three times a day, maybe, maybe that's not good (laughs) for you. Maybe there's an issue there um and like now i'm much more of the opinion that like like even in the bible when you look at like the you know the the real kind of like and god said this was wrong kind of bits like generally it's stuff that's like bad for you It's stuff that's like yeah this is wrong for a reason it's not just god arbitrarily yeah. being like okay this is what a good relationship is and this is what a bad relationship is it's it's naming stuff which is potentially damaging for yourself and people around you and that kind of stuff i even heard somebody say i don't know like i'm not an expert in any of this but the whole thing about like not eating pork for the israelites for for jewish people that at the time because of hygiene standards and that kind of stuff pork was like a high risk meat Mm, like you'd you'd get ill from from eating pork um and that's it's a simple, that the the prohibition on eating pork is as simple as that. That might be wrong. I don't know. Like I say, I'm not an expert, but I like the idea that, you know, religion isn't just there to tell you what's right and wrong because God said it, but because it wants what's best for you and the community of humanity. So here are the things that we've tried and tested are like good for you guys, like loving, being loved, finding time to be still and silent, you know, like that, those kinds of things are just good for you. And that's why religion has such focus.
1: Yeah, And even then, like, I mean, I've heard the you know, the infamous Leviticus, man shall not lie with man. I've heard that that was actually like man should not lie with boy. And it's actually supposed to be about pedophilia, not homosexuality. And even then, like, I feel like if the first gift God kind of gave us was like free thought and stuff, the most ironic thing you can do is to stifle free thinking in yeah. your churches and youth groups. It just seems very counterintuitive um and yeah like morals and science has changed so much since the bible was written it's been two thousand years um and what we know is good and bad for us has also changed and like you can't like mental health i think is a big one where i think it's a sin to kill yourself and stuff like that and we know now that mental like stuff like depression is a disease in the same way that like Co- coronavirus is a disease to keep it topical yeah. Um, and yeah, and it's just stuff like that that you yeah, you have to keep up to date, I think, with the latest science and with like what we know like we know being gay is not bad, we know that it exists in other animals and stuff, and it's we know that being transgender is not bad and it's not something that's like taboo and awful, it's just like something that is, and so yeah. it's got to stop being demonized, and I think the more you push back on the change the more you're just going to like discourage young people from joining. Um, Especially because Jesus' whole thing was just love each other. Just just chill out, man, and just love everyone.
0: (laughs) I can remember when I was at uni um, studying like youth work and theology and that kind of stuff. And uni is where, so those three years when I did my bachelor's degree, they were the time when my understanding of religion and faith and stuff really like folded in on itself and like came out. Looking very different to what it did when I came in. So I came in super conservative, very self-assured, like I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what I was doing. And really, I just wanted the piece of paper to justify, you know, letting me Mm. do the kind of stuff that I wanted to do. And then it really challenged me. And one of my lecturers in particular, like really like he described himself as being a Christian Buddhist. And I was like, you can't, how can you put, you can't be, that's like saying you're a good evil. Like you can't be both (laughs) of those things because that was really my understanding of other religions. Like they're all evil. And it just kind of blew my mind. And I remember once going like in a lunch break, going for a walk with him and just kind of opening up a little bit and being like, I'm just slightly freaking out a little bit about the stuff that you're telling me because like, it's so hard to swallow coming from the place that I've come from. And his response was, Look, basically, Jesus said the two most important things are love God and love your neighbor. And everything else is a playground, basically. Everything else you can you can kind of muck about with and, and throw ideas up in the air and see what lands. And that really, you know, that was whatever, 15 years ago or something like that. And that, that still comes back to me, I think, because I still like even though I've shed a lot of the kind of evangelical stuff that I had growing up, I still get that little anxiety every now and again Mm. about like, Oh, I don't know. Is this okay to talk about? And just that thing of like, it's cool. It's a playground. As long as you're primary, like number one, being loving, like putting your emphasis on loving people, everything else you can, you can kind of take. Even
1: when they sit in your youth group with their headphones on, watching Star Wars
0: videos. Especially when they do
1: that. (laughs) 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 They need the most love. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah don't apologize because genuinely yeah we all loved you and you know that um, and also what I really don't want is for this podcast to come across as like me asking you questions to make myself look really good while I put you down because you were only 13. <laughs> Let's better. Got better.
1: I was there till I was like 18 I think and last couple of years I was the coolest one there and I didn't go on my phone once
0: 100% you definitely yeah. were I don't know if I buy that you didn't go on your phone once but you were you were up up there with the greatest
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go on the phone twice
0: <laughs> yeah that, that, <laughs> there you go you definitely did. <laughs> um,
1: um but yeah for like I had a point I was gonna make I think it was it was gonna be calling you great again but I can't remember what it was um let,
0: shall we just be quiet until you remember it Cause I remember, I remember
1: it. it I remember it um Sorry. I think it was when we because you did our confirmation um yeah and I think one of the first things you taught us was like go away and try and find any part of the bible which mentions hell and we were like yeah man challenge accepted hell it's got to be in here somewhere and we were like what Tim we can't find it we've failed um and you were like yeah it's because it's not in there what if it doesn't exist and then we had this like conversation of like you know what if there isn't a hell you know and it's just like it's just a journey where you've got to just shed what is what you've done like Hitler for example he's got a lot of stuff he has to shed before he can get to the good place. He did some really bad things. I don't know if you've heard, not a great guy. <laughs> I've never
0: heard of him, never heard of oh, him. Um, was he so on you... X Factor?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did really badly. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, was I, where was I going with this? Yeah, and I think that was really important because um, that's the first step to healing Catholic guilt is to say, you know, you're not gonna go to a bad place if you do something wrong because potentially that bad place doesn't even exist. And that was like the best possible angle to give a bunch of like teenagers because that made me feel so much better because like you just said, like all that, oh, is God watching me watch porn? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, what a creep. (laughs) Um, It just made like, I think it made all of us feel a lot better. And that was again, like several years ago and I can still remember it because like, I think I brought it up in conversation last week when, um, because it made me sound smart. And I was like, you know, hell actually isn't in the Bible and stuff. Um, And it blew everyone's minds. That's really
0: really interesting because I don't remember doing that with you guys at all. Um, I don't remember that conversation. And uh, I think if I today was sitting in those confirmation classes at like watching me do that, I'd probably be a bit like, "Mm, well, hang on a sec, Tim, it's not quite that black and white. So, so I, I mean, I, I don't believe in hell or certainly I don't believe in a place of kind of eternal Mm. suffering and that kind of stuff. And I don't think the Bible has a huge amount to say about that. I do like, I think the Bible The trouble is the Bible is written in a different language and translated several times over thousands of years ago. And Mm. so there is some stuff which some people interpret as meaning hell. I interpret in different ways. I probably wouldn't be quite so black and white now as to say that the Bible doesn't mention hell. Um, I would say something more like the stuff that people interpret as meaning hell, I actually think is talking about something quite different and something more about Mm. like, like this experience that we're like... I think we, all of us, and you know, we're talking on New Year's Eve, 2020, looking back on the previous year, lots of us have experienced and actually like, I don't want to trivialize it because actually there are people in much, much worse situations. And I think hell is an experience that people go through, but as a place of eternal suffering that we go to after we die, I don't buy that at all. Like it just doesn't Mm. make sense to me that a God who loves us would be up for torturing us for all of eternity.
1: Absolutely. Well, even if you don't believe it now, uh, it was still a very nice message to teach a bunch of um, 16 year olds, 40 when you get confirmed. Probably, probably younger than that.
0: Maybe, yeah, maybe 14 or
1: something. Yeah. Oh, hang on, someone's knocking on my door. Okay. was
0: oh, don't know what she wanted. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> um. So we were talking about, so uh, you first coming to the youth group and potentially not really wanting to be there, but then coming to like it and enjoy it and having mm-hmm. like interesting conversations as we prepared for confirmation and that kind of stuff. And I'd be, so then I guess you were probably, like most people, I guess, kind of doing your A-levels around the time when you kind of stopped coming to youth group pretty regularly which is a pretty normal kind of transition Then you went off to uni and that kind of stuff and um are now doing like just really super cool stuff that I'm so jealous of like are we allowed to talk about it on the podcast maybe in the abstract let's talk about it in the abstract that you're doing like cool
1: animation um say what my job is but I can't say what I'm working on officially
0: okay Okay. what's your what's your job what's your job
1: um my job is i am a vfx artist uh specifically i'm a creature effects creature technical person where when a character has to be like animated and stuff i build the controls so that the animators can like use it and stuff and then i also simulate like the muscles and the cloth and the hair and the fur and all the technical animation that comes afterwards so i'm like the technical person that exists like either side of the animation pipeline um for are a very cool allowed, studio.
0: <laughs> are you allowed to say who it is that you're going to be working for, or is that lockdown as well?
1: No, because I don't know if I'm like allowed to have opinions on the internet.
0: Okay, okay, you know what I mean. okay, Well, let's just say you work for, or you're you're soon going to be working for a well-known VFX company who mm. have done some well-known work, um, which is super exciting, and I love hearing about it, and I love seeing your updates on social media and that kind of stuff and I'm I'm really glad that we kept in touch after you left the youth group because it's been amazing seeing you grow into the like person who's doing these amazing things. Um and I guess where I'm going to with this is I wonder now as a, so like like saying at the beginning, like there's this kind of story that often happens on the podcast about people who are kind of like yes I grew up in this and it was quite toxic and now I've completely left that behind. Um, you're, you're not saying that you're, you know, there's some nuance, some good things, some bad things about growing up with religion. And I just wonder where does all of that stuff sit with you now? Like, you know, would you, would you call yourself? Oh, for people who are watching on YouTube, my cats are wrestling in the background. That's a nice little side show. I um,
1: thought well, it was like a shadow for a second. Like a no, no, it's a two, shadow.
0: two cats uh, fighting with each other. Um, hopefully just play fighting. Or well, might be a <laughs> Um, I lost track of my train of thoughts. Yeah, so like all of that religion, faith, spirituality, like all that kind of stuff. Like, where are you now with all that kind of stuff?
1: That's a really good question. So,
0: I only ask the good questions. It's
1: true. Um, <laughs> oh, this is, oh man. Um, I haven't really thought about it for like the past four years because so at university, um, it was very like it wasn't religious really at all kind of thing it was a very modern university it was a very technical artistic course um where everyone around me was openly anti-religion and it wasn't like controversial to be like I don't believe in anything kind of thing I don't think it makes sense and stuff um and it's only recently where because I haven't stopped working for about like three and a half years I've just kind of been like at a computer and I haven't really thought about anything and I haven't thought about myself or like looking after myself especially and stuff so it's only been like recently of a lockdown where I've just been like sad and thinking about it and like where do I stand um because I would happily go back to like the church events like the balls and stuff like that um I used to help out and like do photography and stuff because I think I think a church community when it's as kind of relaxed and like almost liberal as the cathedral almost, um, it's really, really nice. And I think it's a really good thing to have. And like, for example, like when my mum went through stuff and the way everyone kind of crowded around her and like offered support was wonderful. Um, and I think even if you took all the spiritual stuff out of that, I think church communities can be a real force for good. um, And kind of spiritually, I'm kind of very relaxed. Um, I get super religious when I like walk into the middle of a road and there's a car coming and I'm like, oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. Um, And I found myself a lot when I was having like really, really, like before interviews and stuff like that, I'd be like, Jesus, look, I know I don't check in often but I'm about to go into an interview please help just um,
0: solid this one time
1: yeah, exactly <laughs> and it's like almost like talking to a friend I think sometimes it's like even if we're wrong and there is no God and there is no Jesus just like having this invisible best friend kind of thing where you can be like oh Jesus I got this exam uh, it's real stressing me out it's like it's a really nice thing um and yeah and I think that's where I currently stand is um Jesus is my bro. That's cool.
0: That's cool. I think that <laughs> I mean to me that sounds like quite a good place to stand because I really and I probably said this when you were in the youth group um like I I don't see the whole Jesus story as like I don't think Jesus happened because he wanted to start a new religion like I If anything, I see Jesus being quite critical of religion Mm. um, in his day. And I suspect if the Jesus story happened today in the 21st century, then the Jesus character would be pretty critical, not about the Jewish elite, but about the Christian elite, because that's who the religious elites are in our society. I think that's who Jesus' venom would probably be directed towards. Um, But also I see um, when we talk about faith, People interpret it as being kind of like uh, something you have to do, something you have to work really hard at, you know, you have to pray, you have to have your daily quiet time, you have to go to church every Sunday and that kind of stuff. But actually faith, if you take it outside of religion, having faith in somebody means I can just relax because I'm with this person who I have faith in, I trust them. They've got, they've got this. We're safe. You know, when you fly, you know, you go abroad to Disneyland or whatever, you have faith mm-hmm. that the pilot knows what they're doing unless you're scared of flying. But for, for most people, you can kind yeah. of like, okay, I'll relax because the pilot knows what he's doing and you're not spending the whole flight sweating. Or
1: I go if, to sleep. That's what I do. Well, there you I go. Like exactly.
0: Exactly. Um, that, and that's a perfect illustration of exactly what I'm talking about, which is I think for me, the whole point of the Jesus story and the, the kind of Christian narrative and, and having faith is like the message is it's cool, I've got this. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like you, you don't you don't need to worry. I'm not I'm I'm not here to guilt you into going to church every Sunday. It's cool. Just relax. I've got this. Have have faith in me. So my like and again like 17 year old me would like not be down with this at all. Um but today my feeling is like even if you don't believe in the christian story that's cool because the whole point is you don't have to do anything about it it's it's already taken care of you know all the god stuff is taken care of and you're good with god whatever whatever it is you believe whatever you identify as religion wise or in any other sense it's cool you're good with god you're you're sorted Um, so i think what you're talking about which is like i don't think too much about it i think that's probably quite a good place to be Um, And then occasionally in moments, and I do the same thing, like I don't massively pray all that often. I try to meditate. I try to meditate every day, um, but I don't pray with words all that often, apart from when I am freaking out about something. And then all of a sudden I'm like an evangelical Christian again, who's like... (laughs) like jesus please help me i really need your help here and i'm kind of glad that i've got that you know and i'm I'm glad that you've got that i think that's yeah. that's not a bad thing to
1: have it's like going to your mum for a doctor's appointment because i'm still at the age where like calling a doctor up to get an appointment it's scary stuff um and i think it's the same thing where you can be as adult and independent as you want and there are some things where you're just like mom help please yeah. and it's yeah. the same thing with religion it's like a it's like a distant loving parent where you know when it's just like uh someone who can kind of be like help me I think yeah
0: that's a really good analogy actually I think because the like a healthy parental relationship will mean that when you leave home to go to uni or get a job or whatever your parents aren't going like well we haven't heard from Emily in 24 hours so clearly she doesn't care about us do you know what I mean like a healthy parental relationship is like trusts you to go off and do your own thing and you can trust that your parents are always there as a kind of a safety net Um, Mm. and it's a really good illustration it's so good that Jesus himself used it that's what the prodigal son is about right like yeah the son's like I'm out of here and the dad lets him go and doesn't follow him and doesn't make him feel guilty or whatever and then when the son completely fucks everything up and needs a home to go to the dad is there waiting for him and ready and i think that's, exactly. a, yeah. that's
1: yeah that's what it's all about really that's just it i think i actually used that analogy um but i was the son that stayed at home recently i think i can't remember i think my parents called my sister something it was christmas so you know she had to get presents anyway but they got a like a really cool present and i was like yeah okay I understand what this is, I'm the one with the job, I'm the one at home, Bethany goes off and does a geography degree, just comes back and gets all these presents, and what do I get? And then they were like, Emily, we just bought you a really expensive graphics card, and I'm like, oh, no, no, here I am on the farm. <laughs> hey,
0: yeah, that's right, working my fingers to the bone,
1: ah!
0: animating creatures to put food on your table. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> this is how you repay me. Um and yeah, and then they were like, Emily, you're being ridiculous. And I was like, Yeah, but isn't it funny? Um <laughs> <laughs> then we watched Google Box, the Christmas special.
0: And everything turned out fine. Yeah,
1: exactly. And that's
0: a like uh, I I mean, not as much now, but still now, I think as a religious person, I so strongly identify with the older brother kind of character. Mm. And especially when I was going to church every Sunday and, you know, doing all of the kind of like Christian duty stuff. Then I'd see friends around me, like, buying houses that, like, I couldn't even dream of buying and stuff like that. And I'd have this kind of, like, God, I'm working really hard here for you, man. Like, look at what I've done for you. And look at this guy. He gets whatever he wants. And I think that's a real issue with religion. I think it's really important that that older brother character is in that story. Um, mm. so, Because, again, I think Jesus' venom is directed towards the religious people. And that older brother represents the religious people, right? Mm,
1: Yeah, definitely. Just want
0: everyone to behave.
1: I think as well, people forget that Jesus was like a radical brown man who hung out with like the people that everyone else hated. Like he was hanging out with the prostitutes and stuff and he was overturning tables and he was like, there was a protest. If there was a Black Lives Matter protest in, where was Jesus? Nazareth, Galilee? Oh, oh, he was an immigrant classic. as well. He was a refugee, right? yeah,
0: he was yeah, 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 it's
1: like everyone the the current white puritanical Christians are really shitting on is yeah. everything Jesus stood for, uh, which I think is awful, yeah. and it's so sad that people have forgotten who this guy was that they worship, and they turned him into some like white Kendall, and yeah. just like missed the point completely
0: one hundred percent, and I find like. I really struggle to not be judgmental about this because I know it's not good to judge people, but I can't Mm. understand how in America, so many people can read the Bible and read the Jesus story Mm. and still think that someone like Donald Trump is their guy. And I feel like what, what version of the Bible are you like? What I can't put two and two together here. And I understand the strong feelings about abortion um, mm. and about same-sex marriage. They're not feelings that I share, but I, I understand them. But all of the other stuff, like you know, the stuff that you've just described, the anti-immigrant sentiments, the, the pro-gun sentiments, like all that kind of stuff. It's so kind of like, what? How, I just can't reconcile how you can hold these two ideas. The, the, the idea of Jesus who says, forgive, turn the other cheek, love mm. your enemy and this kind of muscular alpha male dickhead yeah Uh. it it makes no sense to me but i have to like but and and something for me to work on because Mm. i can't just dismiss 70 million people as all being racist idiots there
1: yeah um, yeah it
0: can't be that simple um but i don't know what the answer is
1: I think a lot of it is ignorance. I think a lot of it is poor education systems and stuff like that. And I think um, Stephen Fry, I think it might have been him. I think it might have been one of his Professor Pals. He said something like, all of this could be solved if we just educated the women in society. Because they're the ones who are becoming like the mums who are then raising racist or not racist or whatever kids and stuff like that. And how all that happens is we just need non ignorant women to raise non-ignorant everyone else and we'll and, be fine.
0: <laughs> I completely agree with that. And that like, I mean, in fact, I think when you were in the youth group, we went to go watch the Malala movie in the cinema together, didn't we? Did you come to We did, to that? yes, I did. And that was exactly, you know, exactly making that point about educating women and how important that is. I think the risk with, with, with people like you and me who are quite affluent and privileged to be educated and to be able to go to university and that kind of stuff, for us mm. to say that potentially can be interpreted as being elitist as kind of like you need to have a university degree to be able to understand this stuff and actually some of the the great great spiritual and humane writing over over history you know and in philosophy has come from people with no formal education but you know just have that spark of Human kindness and connection and meaning and that kind of stuff. So, I'm, I completely agree with you. I think educating people and particularly educating women in developing countries is the most important thing that we can be doing. But I'd want to be careful about saying it's just because people in Alabama haven't gone to university. Yet, you know? Oh, no, I, mean, I don't I know mean that's university. Not what you're yeah,
1: I mean, I mean, like the basic education of reading, writing, and free thinking yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Um, And yeah, and I don't think you can get that from a school. I think you can get it from a youth group. Not reading and writing, but free thinking. Um, But yeah, um, I just, yeah, there's got to be, there's got to be some way that we can all, because the way the world's going at the moment is it looks like it's going to be civil war in America currently. um, Where because of, I think a lot of it's probably due to like social media, breeding, extremism on both sides. And it's all going to clash. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you said something in there which is um so perfect which is that you said that you can do that in a youth group maybe better than a school and mm. i think that you you exactly hit the nail on the head and i'm not just saying this because i'm a youth worker or maybe i'm just <laughs> saying it because i'm a youth worker but i really believe that kind of community informal education bringing people together from across divides you know eating pizza together, having a good time together, but then also doing some real work about where do you find meaning in life? What's important to you? How do we articulate this without killing each other? That kind of mm. stuff. That That's where it's at, like the informal education stuff. That's what stops I, it from being elitist, I think.
1: That, and that's it. And it's like, so, correct me if I'm wrong, we didn't have to pay it to go to youth group, right? It was all funded yeah. by the church? Would it, uh,
0: it, the, it, it, it changed, it ebbed and flowed. So every now and again, when the budget was tight we charged a little sub thing of like one pound a week or something but mm-hmm. we always said if you can't afford that then we'll just write that off but so sometimes it was free in the eight years that i was there there were times when it was free and sometimes when it wasn't. but yeah, yeah ideally it was always free but not always practically
1: yeah that makes sense because it's like okay so even let's say for the for the price of one pound um we got things like we visited a mosque and we got to speak to them really honestly and ask them questions and ask stuff like I think um the woman who spoke to us was really really wonderful and she was very open to being spoke to as frank as possible so we got to ask things like how were you affected after nine eleven and stuff like that and they told us like horror stories of they're having like pig's heads thrown at the mosque and stuff like that and we got to I think you brought in um a really nice Jewish man whose name I have forgotten who I see at the church a lot and stuff like that yeah John it's a really easy name (laughs) (laughs) I feel really bad um but this was something again and one of the reasons why I think yeah for like an education and teaching the ignorant doesn't necessarily have to be you know go to university it's stuff like for free we got to talk to and visit um loads of different religious people and speak to them and find out what they believe and like and what we realized was that every single religion had so much in common and that we were all at the end of the day trying to love everyone and love a god and it was like oh we have so much in common why are we fighting and imagine if like everyone had that experience of being able to just like chat and chill with people from like all over and stuff like that and realize that because i think when you look at things on your phone like oh no there's another terrorist who also happens to be muslim who's done something horrible um i think looking at a 2d image on your phone makes it really easy to go like well this isn't a person this whole group of people can be demonized um especially when let's say you are in like the deep west of uh bumfuck nowhere in america where you know there isn't like a mosque next door and you can't see like a Muslim man go buy a sandwich from a shop kind of thing um it is easy to think like these people are terrorists and they're not human um so I think the experiences of being welcomed into someone else's place of worship and getting to speak to them and like share food with them and stuff like that was like unbelievably important um and yeah and I I think I can see why a lot of very conservative christian societies wouldn't want to do that and would kind of frown on it because it's like what are you trying to do send them to another religion that's like the opposite of of recruiting um absolutely yeah it was really really good and especially hearing because like we're both white people and so we don't experience firsthand what like other people are going through and stuff especially in like the current climate so speaking to this Muslim woman about like the absolute terror and fear that they have been getting you know and it's only been getting worse recently was awful and then it helped us be better people and to say like okay how can how can we help how can we can stand up against stuff like this how can we like you know go to Christmas with our slightly racist family members and say you know actually you're wrong <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: completely um, and yeah, so I think that was really 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 useful
0: uh, I mean that's brilliant I'd, I'd forgotten about those mosque visits but they were brilliant I really enjoyed doing those every year as well I mm. always learned a huge amount from them as well
1: and you're they smell right. really nice as well
0: yeah they do yeah <laughs> you're right I mean that's that's partly because uh, and this was always so cool we never asked them to do this but whenever we'd go they'd always put on a spread for us they'd always prepare food and drinks and that kind of stuff so there was always the kind of smell of like lovely hot food as you were coming mm. in which again wasn't something that I ever arranged I never said like look you know th- they're making time for you so you would better feed them it was always just kind of this lovely generous yeah. thing um, so it was amazing and y- you've just reminded me talking about that about um my favourite film, or one of our favourite films, which I think we might have watched together at youth group, maybe we didn't, I can't remember, called and Noel, um, which is this, like, it's its not a true story, but it's based on a collections of true stories about, uh, in World War I, the Christmas Day ceasefires that happened in the trenches. And, mm. like, you've seen pictures of, like, German and English soldiers playing football together and that kind of stuff. And this film tells a kind of fictionalised story of, like, you've got scottish soldiers french soldiers and german soldiers and they're all kind of at a stalemate and can't advance anymore they're just killing each other in their hundreds you know going over the trenches getting shot and just not advancing and then through a series of events they have this christmas day ceasefire and they have a kickabout and they talk to each other and that kind of stuff and then it's just the idea that like on boxing day it becomes nearly impossible to go back to shooting the people who you were playing football with yesterday. Mm. And that's that kind of community education that we're talking about that, like it's easy to hate somebody who you don't know. And that's Mm. why, you know, the kind of the um, more extreme right wing politics in our country, as well as across the world tend to happen in cultures, which aren't very diverse. So like communities, you know, seaside towns, whatever, that are predominantly white, they tend to be the ones where those kind of right-wing views take hold. Where somewhere like London, which is so much more multicultural and diverse, is much more inclusive. And, like, I remember working in Newham for nine months, having come from Chelmsford, coming from very white to very diverse, to being just, like, really kind of like, whoa, people just talk about race here, like it's not a thing. Whereas Mm -hmm. in Chelmsford, we'd always be like, you know, it's that kind of the almost the, the mirror image of that hard right kind of thing, which is just like, we don't talk about race because it's a big um, word, which, yeah. isn't, which isn't helpful either. Um, and yeah, there's just something about when you've seen your enemy face to face and you've realized that they're not an enemy, but actually they have a lot in common with you, it becomes much harder to think of them as an enemy. Um, and that yeah. needs, I guess, part of the shift with that is going back to what we were talking about earlier on, if religion is all about this kind of possessive thing, like we have to get young people to convert and then hold them here in the faith, then that becomes a scary thing because Mm. it's like, well, what if they're tempted away? Um, But if we have an idea of God who just wants us to have faith in God, then that's okay. Even if they are tempted away, even if they do become Muslims, that's okay because Mm. God's bigger than Christianity. God's bigger than Islam. God's bigger than the UK. Like,
1: no, the UK is yeah. pretty big, Tim.
0: It's pretty big, but it's no America.
1: <laughs> That's true. It's no Russia. Know. Russia's massive. Oh, yeah, God's not big bigger Russia
0: than is. Russia. <laughs> Russia's huge. That's um, a takeaway. That's
1: going to be like the, the quote from this video. From his God's, God's, God's not, not bigger, bigger than <laughs> Russia. <laughs> it's going to end
0: up using some like Russian propaganda.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you remember those like memes from ages ago where it'd be like, in Russia, you don't eat hamburger, hamburger eats you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not going like, to make an analogy. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: Emily, that's probably, I said we'd talk for about an hour and we've gone over an hour, so I've kept you for longer than I said I would. So that's probably a, a good place to wrap up. Um, but just to say thank you, I've really, I mean, uh, like I said to you earlier on, I'm so glad we kept in touch after you finished coming to youth group and just seeing who you've evolved into and continuing to see how you'll continue to evolve is something that brings me huge joy. And just the fact that we're able to have these kinds of conversations, um, you know, with thoughtfulness and with care and with humor and that kind of stuff. um, Yeah. I'm just hugely proud of you. I think you're brilliant. And I'm grateful to you for giving me an hour on your new year's Eve, albeit a new year's Eve when nobody has any plans because of COVID, but still I'm grateful to you. So thank you.
1: thank thank you yeah thanks for like uh, being real cool wherever growing up sorry that we were all like little shits all the time Um, but yeah it was generally really awesome being able to have a positive Christian influence where it was like religion can't all be bad because Tim exists Um, so there you go thank you (laughs) okay one of us has to hang up yes uh, so
0: (laughs) That was cool wasn't it Um I, I loved chatting to Emily and it just reminded me of why I love youth work so much even though I'm not really doing that as a job anymore um, but just I mean Emily's just one of the young people who I got to work with and there's so much just humour and wisdom and just uh, yeah, I think often we think of young people as kind of potential people. Do you know what I mean? Like people to uh, that need to be moulded and shaped to get to a place where they're um, healthy, happy, contributing members of society. Um, but de- my experience with with youth work, and I hope that conversation with Emily demonstrates how much young people have to teach and how much we have to learn. Um, and just what a joy and a privilege it is to work with people and to be able to spend time with people who maybe have a slightly different experience of life than you do even if it's just because they're 15 years younger than you um, but just the, the their their experience of life and meaning is slightly different to yours and as a result they teach you so much. So um, thanks so much to Emily for giving me her time on New Year's Eve um, I hope that she'll come back on at some point um, if she's up for it. And in the meantime, uh, I wish you all the best. You can see I'm back home now uh, after my drive. Sorry about the wobbly camera. I I watched that back just now. And uh, I can imagine if you were watching that, it might have made you feel a little bit kind of motion sick. Um, But it's over now. Um, Yeah. Back, back to kind of steady cam I've got my tea I have to drink my tea through a straw now that's one of the downsides of getting Invisalign that'll be I'll be drinking my drinks through a straw for the next year but I've got metal straws so I'm looking after the environment anyway look who cares about any of this uh, it's time to go thanks for joining me I hope you enjoyed it and I'll see you in the next one the next one is a conversation with my friend Dave I'm going to put that out in about a month but it's already been recorded and completely unintentionally it's kind of, a, it kind of acts as a part two to this conversation with Emily. It touches on a lot of the same themes. So if you found some of the stuff in today's episode interesting, I think you'll find the conversation next month really interesting as well. So I look forward to seeing you then. I won't see you, but you'll see me. i look forward to being seen by you then. Um, okay. Love you guys. Bye.